Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. One injured player back, leading the way for another. And it's 26-3, 49ers. Now, back to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. That's Joe Davis, Fox Sports, uh, calling the uh, Debo Samuel touchdown run. All right, let's uh, welcome in John Dickinson, 49, uh, 49ers reporter, Warriors reporter. Uh, he was at Chase Center last night, but we're going to talk to him about the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, let me let me start out by saying hello, JD, and and what was the biggest difference you saw in the Warriors yesterday as opposed to the previous three weeks? Uh, the the Forty Niners, right? Bad, yeah, yeah, the the Niners. Yeah, no, no, that's all good. Yeah, the Niners, and yeah, yesterday the the first uh, first game that I didn't cover in person among uh, all of the games to this point uh, with the the Warriors obviously having the the heavy weekend. Looking forward to be back in in Seattle on Thanksgiving when the Niners are going to be there. So just throw that out there right off the top here. But uh, yeah, I, biggest difference offensively, Kyle Shanahan had all his chess pieces, mm. and you know we got into it. After the game in Cleveland, as I was coming back, and, and after the game in Minnesota, just about the fact that, that things look a little bit different when you take even one skill player away. And, you know, it was, you know, Debo obviously being out. I think McCaffrey was less than 100%. He may still be less than 100%, but he's closer to 100% than he was, I think, uh, in the, the Minnesota or, or Cincinnati games. Uh, going back to the the last two, and then you get Trent Williams back as well, which which I think just opens up so many different things that the 49ers can do, in particular in in the run game. I I, I thought Jalen Moore did fine when he filled in for for Trent Williams, but Trent Williams is dominant run blocker, and it really helps set up everything that the 49ers like to do, knowing that they have him as somebody that can get out and, and lead on, on those uh, big runs, uh, like the one to Debo Samuel that you guys played the, the highlight of from Fox come, coming in here. So to me, offensively it was all the chess pieces were back, which allowed, and, and forgive me for saying this because I hate this term, Uh-oh. it allowed Kyle Shanahan, but I'm going to say it anyway, it allowed Kyle Shanahan to get in his bag again, right? Because he had everybody. And so so offensively it's almost, and, and this is how I'm going to look at him moving forward when they have all their guys and i know steiny you said something similar earlier when they have all their guys then it's an elite offense if you take even one away then we're gonna have to have a conversation (laughs) given that week about whether they can even be a functional winning offense so it's it's kind of extremes but i think that's what they've proven to this point uh and then defensively 
it was just they looked fresher. Uh, I, mm. I think Chase Young mixing Chase Young being on the team looked like it lit a fire under Cleveland Furl, who'd been absent. <laughs> you know, Nick Bosa looked reinvigorated, and they were doing a lot of four and five man rushes. You know, five down linemen or or just the standard four down linemen, and they were getting home. I mean, that was the thing. Like, it wasn't you getting close and they're getting rid of it. They're getting home. They're sacking the quarterback. And I think where the offense and defense work together, the complementary football, Niners come out, they get the lead, they get a couple stops, they start forcing turnovers. And this is, for this year to this point, fellas, a front-running team. They're front-runners. They need to get ahead. They need to play from ahead. Haven't been as good when they get behind and they have to go score late. You know, that just hasn't worked out for them so far this year. But they got back on schedule yesterday, which I think was the biggest key. And, you know, it really started with, I I think, having all the players back on offense and then the defensive line dominating the game like we've seen Goo, the 49er defensive lines, be able to do it as they've been making these runs toward being championship contenders. No, no doubt. You just covered it all, and and I agree with everything you said. Uh, I got to be careful here because I got to let you know I called out Wilkes in the sense that I thought it was a bad look that, you know, his coach or employer would tell him to come on the sideline. But I'm trying to divvy out credit because he deserves it with how his unit played. But, J.D., I, do you do you think there's any coincidence, the fact that he was on the sideline and all of a sudden they got after it? Or is it just what you said? They were rested. They had a new toy in Chase Young. I saw him come out with five D linemen, which we saw Cleveland and many do to them. But they were they hit uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence ten times. To me, this has to be sustainable, and it's kind of, you tell me if I'm off, it's kind of wiped out the last three weeks if they remain healthy. Yeah, I think it it has. I mean, we've seen the 49ers be a lot worse than 5 and 3 after 8 games and still by the end of the season think they're pretty damn good and as a championship contender and they've proven that to be true even though they've come up short uh with the Super Bowl loss and the two losses in the NFC Championship game the last couple of years. So, uh, I I don't think there's any doubt that this team can can get back to that level where we're all talking about that maybe today or or in the coming weeks or once we get to to January. I think the Steve Wilkes component of him being on the sideline was coincidental. I mean, I I don't know what type of impact it had other than, you know, I go to when Fox had him, you know, Ambry Thomas makes maybe the play of his career, right? Uh, And and enforcing that turnover, and it looked like he ran it back. And he did have the big interception in that Week 18 game at at the Rams when the 49ers clinched at the the end in overtime to salt that game away. But right up there, if it wasn't that play, it was the play yesterday, the play of his career. And to see Ambry Thomas showing emotion and showing love to, to Steve Wilkes and that conversation that those two were having on the sideline, I don't know that it mattered tactically, but it seemed like it mattered just in terms of the optics. And, you know, because Wilkes is a fiery guy. Like, it's not like, like Wilkes is somebody that, you know, likes talking to players and like, so maybe just having him down there and, and, and the defense being put on notice, basically, that the reason he was put down there was because things weren't working out, had everybody flying around and, and playing at a different level. I don't know. Just a theory. I tend to think it's more just coincidental. You add a, a guy like Chase Young to the mix. Everything looks better. I think they simplified their game plan a little bit. 
uh, defensively. There was you know less blitzing, more timely blitzing, and they just got back to the basics that that the 49er stalwarts, the guys that have been here for a long time, like to do. So I think it was more about that than where Wilkes was. But you know, Wilkes being able to to interact maybe more one-on-one from an emotional standpoint with those players, maybe it had some benefit. John Dickinson joining us on 95-7 The Game. He's our 49ers uh, reporter. We've just been batting this around uh, J.D. a little bit, and it's it's the idea of, okay, the, the, the 49ers have four big boy weapons, Debo Samuel, McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, and we, we all agree that if, if you take somebody out of there, it just doesn't look the same. Let me, let me just... What if you have everybody on this team healthy except uh, Trent Williams? How, then what? You know what I mean? I'm just trying to just trying to gauge the value of a skill position guy versus an important lineman. Would you rather have all your weapons but miss a huge a huge offensive lineman, or maybe miss a weapon but have Trent? You know, just try to gauge the importance of all the players on offense. Yeah, I, I think you you need Trent Williams. In, in the run game. I, I think Trent Williams helps make the 49er run game more dominant. I think in the passing game, they've shown that they can get by without him, but getting by without him doesn't make you good enough to where you're going to be a contender and win the Super Bowl, right? Because I, I think we'd all agree in the games that Trent Williams missed, what, the last two, because he, he gutted it out and finished the game in Cleveland, the games that Trent Williams missed in Minnesota and Cincinnati was his absence to the to the you know to the naked eye to the to the casual football observer was his absence noticeable? I'll just ask you guys because I'll give you my I don't really think it was like I thought the Niners I thought Jalen Moore held up I thought the Forty Niners were able you know, there's things you can do with the with tight ends and and you know bring help and the way you kind of block certain plays I, I thought but but at the same time it makes the Forty ers more ordinary, I, I think, offensively to not have him. I don't know. What, do you, what did you guys think of uh, about that? Like, it, it, you can get by, but are you really the best version of yourself? No, that, that, that's a good call, Jay. But, again, like the Cincinnati game, for example, I thought they take advantage of Trent not out there. And that pocket was collapsing, whether you were trying to – not many holes for, for McCaffrey to get through. And um, when he dropped back to pass, Pur- Purdy – you, you need everybody, just, Goo. Yeah, That's no, what it you is. Do. You need everybody, There's and you no need 71. Because here's the thing that. about 71. 71, Trent Williams, has a he has an attitude, right? He's a hell of a nice guy off the field. He's smiling. He seems affable. But on the field, the dude's an absolute yep. monster. I mean, he just is. He's a killer on the field. He's a monster. I think he helps establish their physical identity there we're just going to get up and we're going to knock you on your ass mentality and i you know i think evan depo back helps that no mentality doubt. as well jd no doubt i want to ask you about brock purdy he needed to bounce back not that the losses were all on him uh 19 to 26 296 as you guys mentioned three touchdowns but what i took away was the fact that on the first touchdown to Ayuk, he could have ran it where he rolled out left Threw it uh, across, back across the field. Got lucky <laughs> touchdown. Why did I like Kyle going public just with the toolage of, you know, it took me a while to get over that? Because I felt like that is something that'll stay with Brock, who had a good day. But what did you think of Kyle doing that out loud? I loved it because I, and, and I, <laughs> I because in, in the moment, I thought to myself, 
and I love this when you're watching a game because it you know it makes you feel like you're not crazy. That's always <laughs> the way I put it. I'm you know, I'm watching the game and, like we all were, and and I I thought to myself. That's one of the worst decisions he's ever made. Right. Like that's one of the worst play. Like you talk about a would be pick or a should be pick or whatever. And I texted a couple people. I said, "My God, he got away with one there." And you know, it was kind of mixed response, right? Some 49er fans are like, "Well, that was, you know, what what would you say? You know, Mahomes does stuff like that, yeah. or these elite quarterbacks does stuff. They do stuff like that, and everybody thinks it's great." So when you know Brock does it. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. He should tone it down and not do it. And I said, well, he's not one of those guys. Number one, a- anyway. So to hear Kyle Shanahan after the game, just just so bluntly say, yeah, that was one of the worst decisions Man. he's ever made. I-, I think it's great. And yeah, Bar- Brock Purdy needed a-, a bounce back game. I think we've seen not to be redundant. Probably at this point needs to play from ahead most of the time. Doesn't mean he can't come back against some teams here or there. And the whole thing. The whole thing looks different when everybody's in the right spot and and the running game's there and you can throw the short passes and then he can make the off-schedule plays that that he's so good at. Again, it's not an indictment on him. It doesn't it doesn't mean that that I don't think Brock Purdy's this or that or whatever. It's just when when the whole thing is locked in, he's able to play at an elite level. When when it's not completely locked in, then he looks more pedestrian and if he's more pedestrian, then the 49ers, I think there are some question marks as to whether or not they can get to and, and win a Super Bowl. But for yesterday and for those first five games, they basically had everybody, and 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 he looked elite. But, no, I, I loved what Shanahan said because, selfishly, it was what I was thinking, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Kyle Shanahan put Christian McCaffrey back in the game with six minutes left oh. uh, to try to <laughs> Get him an achievement that only Lenny Moore had had done prior. They they had scored. What did you think of that? I hated it. It's just me talking. I hated it. I I like like. And again, I get that everybody loved it and fans love it. And McCaffrey was appreciative of trying to get me the all time record. And and you know they're showing the sideline and everybody's laughing and everybody knows what's going on. I I didn't think in the moment that the Jags knew what was going on. Like I, I, I and, and until it got right down to their inside the five yard line and then maybe they did. And I think that worked to the 49ers benefit. I, I also I will give Kyle Shanahan credit in the sense that, you know, they had a fourth and five and he was in the game and they went for it and they ran a running play. So I got the impression that Kyle Shanahan was trying to get him the record, obviously. We all know that, and they they addressed it afterwards. But I felt like he was also trying to be respectful about it in like in, in the plays, the types of play like like we're gonna go for it, but I'm not really gonna trick it out the way that the way that I would if we needed this touchdown to to win the game. But that doesn't change the fact that I personally hated it. I know I'm in the minority. I know 49er fans are probably screaming, but I, I, I mean, could you imagine if he gets hurt in that situation or could you imagine? And here's the thing when you do something like that, and I don't know that the Jags knew in the moment, but when you do something like that, you run the risk of somebody taking a cheap shot on a guy that's going to put him out and put you guys in, in, in difficult position and, you know, if I was a, a Jags player, I'd have been really pissed. It's, I would have been really pissed. 
And well, you I know how to com- stop them, JD. Is keep no, them out. No doubt. Okay. No, no, no. And I'm not saying pissed like I'm yeah. going to complain about it. Okay. I'm I'm saying pissed like I'm going to knock Dirty him out. Dirty play. Okay. I'm going to yeah. knock him on his ass and and maybe twist him up a little bit. So like that. And I, again, that's just that's the heat of the moment, JD. Right, and and I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but the heat of the moment, JD can get a little angry, and the heat of the moment, NFL player can get a little angry, and so again, all I'm saying is the 49ers run the risk of of somebody among the 11 players out there, or a coach maybe telling those guys to do it. They can run the risk of something happening to their best offensive player or best offensive skill player in Christian McCaffrey. So I, I understand all sides. I don't have a. I don't. I didn't like it. I understand why they did it. I understand why the fans love it. I understand why the media yucks it up with the players and the fans about it. You know, it's like all one big. Oh yeah, yeah all right. It's all funny. Ha, ah, blow out. You know, I get it. I get. I get it. But I personally hated it. Wow, Jay. Tell us how you really feel. I love it. Hey, last thing about Purdy. Uh, Evan Steinie and I were talking about this before the show. There were a couple times he got hit. He got leveled. And I was like, man, this dude's tough, Jeff Garcia-like. But he hit Kittle for a 66-yarder, and Jay, I saw it. He stood in there, took the hit, and we were talking about, do you think that's one of his most impressive throws of his young career? Yeah, it was a good throw. I mean, I didn't think it, I, I, I'll be honest. I thought it was a really good throw. I didn't think it was. I, like, there was nothing all time that okay. popped into my head at one. At, at all. I'll, I'll give you the short answer on that one. Like, I just, I thought, yeah, good throw. You know, kind of jotted it down on my on my iPad as I'm, I'm taking my notes. But there wasn't something, you know, all time great or historic or anything about it. It was just, hey, good, good quarterback made a good throw. Touchdown. The play was there. Hell of a call. I'll tell you what. I thought the Niners, and you guys have probably talked about this, I thought the Niners won the game with the start that they got off to, but I think the, they, to no me, they won the they won the game into the first half, beginning of the second half. They hold the Jags to a field goal. They go down, they kick a field goal to match. Basically, it rendered anything the Jags had done just completely useless. And then they come out with that first possession and they hit the big ball to Kittle for a touchdown from ten to three. And feeling like because that game did have a little of that feel like oh, it did. Hey, Hey, the Niners should be up more, and they're not. They and got all the of a fumble. Sudden yeah. All of a sudden, it's going to be ten to ten, <laughs> and you know, and the and the Jags are a comeback team them, themselves. So you know, the end of the first half, holding them to a field goal. Yes, the fumble before that, for sure, because the Jags looked like they had action. But then coming out and hitting the big ball to Kittle, ten to three turns into twenty twenty to three, and I thought at that point, at twenty to three, I thought it was night night. Hey JD, let me uh, let me get you out of here on this. You know, I was I was thinking about this weekend and and walking out of the office here on on Friday, and I think everybody was encouraged about the Golden State Warriors. Um, <sighs> the, 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 a lot of people liked that loss against Denver, and on Friday everybody was kind of biting their fingernails about the 49ers and their three game losing streak, and it <laughs> feels like now. The Niners look fine, and the Warriors look like they're a team in in a little in a little trouble. What would you make of the Warriors' weekend? It was a bad weekend. I mean, bottom line, bad weekend. Couple good defensive teams, couple teams with length, couple teams with size, and the Warriors got handled. I thought in in both games, and you know they got to figure out though first and foremost to me it wasn't even so much about the the size in terms of the seven footers it's the it's it was more i thought the length and the the ability of of both the calves 
and the Timberwolves to attack. It, uh, you know, to me, it was more wings and guards just putting their head down and getting to the bucket, which which was something that Oklahoma City did to them a week prior, and the Warriors ended up winning the game at the end. But Oklahoma City was having their way, uh, so I, I think you know that's that's one part of it. But to me, the issues are are, are offense, and and you know, we've we've discussed it. It's you know even when this team was winning. Where's the secondary scoring going to come from? Is Clay Thompson still a legitimate number two? And uh, I, I, I'd, TBD, right? I mean, he hasn't been to this point. I mean, nobody has been to this point. Uh, all eyes on Andrew Wiggins. I know, Goo. I've, I've heard you. You know, this was you know, maybe a week or so ago. I was listening to you it's, last night too. It's, yep. it's 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 you know where is Wiggins? And the, the the problem, though, is, and, and that's fair, I mean, I think those are the two guys that are going to get singled out that the Warriors need more from because they're starters, they're guys that are getting paid, they're guys that in the past have been the number two option for the Warriors or the two and the three option for the Warriors offensively. And, and look, the Warriors were, they were getting by because they, their bench was dominant, and the bench the last two games was not dominant. They still won the battle of the bench points, but they weren't winning it 40-15 to 15 like they had been in, in some of these other games, which was allowing Clay Thompson to be solid. Because I, 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 I really think Clay's been solid up until the last two games where it, where it hasn't gone well, and it's allowed Wiggins to be, for the most part, absent. But I don't think there's any... To go back to the, the point I was going to mention about, about what you were saying, Goo... There's no other option other than those guys have to play better. Like it's not like Jonathan Kaminga is playing great because he's not right. He's had some halves where he's been an A. He's had halves in the same games where he's been an F. So you know, at best, Kaminga's been a C player. So you're not replacing a C player in Kaminga with Wiggins, even if you make the case, and I think you can make the case, that Wiggins has been worse than a C-level player to this point. But you don't make a... If Wiggins has been a D and Kaminga's been a C, you don't make a switch because... Now, if Kaminga had been an A, then then all right, we can start having a conversation. So the, the point I'm getting at is they got they get those two guys, Clay and Wiggins, and I think even more Wiggins and Clay, have, have got to get going. And I think the Warriors need to start trying to get Wiggins involved. Like, is he hurt? Is there something going on? Did, did he not have the offseason that he wanted to because there were other things going on? Like, I think all those questions are going to start to to continue to pop up. But as I talked about last night on Warriors Wrap-Up, this is the team. Like, th- this is the team. But you know, Maybe they make some moves down the line, but this, this the, you know, you look up and they're healthy right now, and this is the team. So... For the next three months, between now and the trade deadline, which is you know, three months away, February, they got to figure it out with what they have. I, I, I kind of, I lean in a little bit on what Steve Kerr. You know, they, they weren't when they were six and two. Were they were they playing great? No, they won a couple of close games. Maybe stole the game against Sacramento. Were they, uh, you know, are they the worst? You know, are they now one of the worst teams in the West because they haven't looked great the last couple of games. No, I think it's somewhere in between. But the one thing that I am going to say all season, when this team's healthy, they got to be better than six and five because I'm still worried about what it's going to look like when they're not healthy. Uh, because there's the two types of depth, right? You have the de- and I think the, the Warriors have the depth where you have everybody in their place. And oh, you want to play Trace Jackson Davis a little bit? Fine. You want to play Pajemski a little bit? Fine. You know the bench for the most part's you know beating other teams' benches. You like that? I think they have the 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 quality depth 
that you like when you have everybody, especially if Wiggins and Clay Thompson were playing to their capabilities. What the question is, what kind of depth do they have when you start taking a starter or two away? Man. You know, and, and that I don't know. And and you know, I know Warrior fans are thinking, well, I hope we don't find out. Right. But if you but if you're six and five and then you start losing key guys, you know, you're 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 kind of looking at being maybe in the same position record wise that you were last year where you're fighting and scratching and clawing and you're trying to, you know, save your season to to just get into that sixth spot, which they ultimately did. I think the Warriors believe they have a better team than that. But so much of, you know, we talk about the bench and Chris Paul and the young guys and how's it all going to fit together and Steph is still phenomenal, all of that stuff. But the price of admission stuff in the plan for the Warriors to be contenders was, well, Wiggins is going to be closer to what he was two years ago and Clay Thompson's going to be a more consistent version of what he was last year and they're 0 for 2 in these first 11 games with those two top to bottom. Man. All right, J.D., great stuff. And uh, we'll be uh, listening tomorrow when the Warriors take on Minnesota at Chase. Yeah, looking forward to it. Ballast Point Brewing Company tomorrow, by the way. I'm going to come by and see you. I'll be out there, Jay. Six o'clock, Warriors Live at Ballast Point. Stop by, have a brew, get some food. I'll be out there. I'll be out there before six, getting things set up, and uh, you know, walking distance to Chase. Looking forward to it. Goose stop by. Playing we'll, tournament. We'll, we'll have one. Yeah, it's the yeah. in-season tournament game. Big in-season tournament ramifications tomorrow. Absolutely. Thanks, JD. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, you, you got it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s. It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.